Good morning, everybody. On this third Sunday of Lent, the time is going by really quickly. And uh, as usual, I'm going to share uh, the meditation as Richard Raw has written it in his book called Wondrous uh, Encounters Scripture for Lent. And uh, the scripture is John 4. Uh, verses 5 to 42. Uh, Many of you will have heard me say that I absolutely love the Gospel of John. It is beautifully written um, and it has this strong theme of wisdom and mysticism running through it. Um, The mysticism in the sense that God is within us. not in the sense that we're going to see all sorts of visions and stand on our heads and funny things like that, but uh, the mysticism of today is very much about God residing within us and about our work as people to reflect that presence in the world and to reflect his love and his compassion in the world. And the story today is the story of um, the Samaritan woman and it is the, Richard's meditation is a little longer than usual, uh, but I urge you to stay with it because one of the, this is one of the most significant stories in the Bible. It has so much in it, and the more I read it and the more I read about it, uh, the more I see its richness. So I'm going to start straight away to read the passage. Um, This long and truly mystical gospel story of the Samaritan woman at the well was already used by the church in immediate preparation of the new candidates for baptism on Holy Saturday. All the elements of invitation, disclosure, unfolding levels of meaning, intimacy, reciprocity and enlightenment are here for the taking. This multi-level story surely deserves our overall theme of a wondrous encounter of giver, given, and gift. As is often the case, the story is also a reversal theme. In brackets, who is giving to whom? A first-level misunderstanding, an ethical bump in the road, and a deeper conversation all to move the sincere reader to a needed seeking and questioning, which is exactly what we should want in all Christian beginners. This text could actually be used to exemplify a non-fundamentalist approach to scripture. As Jesus leads the woman beyond her first literal understanding to an inner and spiritual understanding of what is actually happening. Further, he uses the moment to lead to an interfaith understanding. God is spirit, and those who worship him will worship in spirit and truth. And you'll see that in chapter 4, verse 24. The story exemplifies Jesus' non-interest in the religious culture and the denominationalism of his day, He not only talks to a strange woman alone, to the scandal of the disciples, 
but points out that the truth claims of both groups, Jews and Samaritans, are of no final interest to God. The hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither here on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The authentic worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He repeats this twice and the second time even more strongly in verse 424. It really is quite amazing and one wonders how we couldn't continue to defend such artificial divisions to this day, given this statement. Of course, the whole point is that unless you experience the Spirit, which Jesus says is the water that I will give you, which will turn into a spring within you, welling up into eternal life. just want to highlight that so I can come back to it. Sorry about that. Of course it's not going to cooperate, is it? Right here. The whole thing falls apart. I'll read that sentence again. Of course, the whole point is that unless you experience the Spirit, which Jesus says is the water that I will give to you, which will turn into a spring within you, welling up into eternal life, the whole thing falls apart. If one has not made contact with the Spirit spring of water, we will always define ourselves by non-essentials and cultural accidents and external forms and formulas. And then Jesus leads her to a sweeping and usually unnoticed concluding vision. Open your eyes and see. The fields are shining for the harvest. The reaper can collect his wages now. The reaper can, can, can already bring the grain of eternal life. The reaper and the sower can rejoice together. You can hear Jesus' excitement at these possibilities. Why? Partly because it is all happening now. The word already or now is used three times in the passage. And the phrase, the sower and the reaper together, conflates any notion of time between action and reward. The sowing is the reaping, could also say that he is the reaper and she is the sower. And whatever is happening is happening right now. He has leapt beyond all boundaries of time, morality and religion to announce a universal and gratuitous victory for God. And that is taking place for God, sorry, a universal and gratuitous victory for God and for humanity that is taking place in the present tense, which is rather clear in verses 36 to 38.
This really is great stuff, which could still reform Christian pettiness and division, or any notion of the gospel as a reward punishment system that comes after death. Okay, so let's just um, have a look and see what we can uh, draw out of this. Sorry, I made some notes and I can't find what I'm looking for in my notes. So, yeah, that's a bit like me. Um, what we need to just see in this passage, um, which is such a beautiful message, and it's a message that has been repeated over and over again so far in this Lent course, and I think we'll probably take him through to the end because of its vital importance, um, and that is the message of unity of God's people. And this special stream of wisdom that comes through the Spirit that cannot be understood with, with the mind, but has to be understood with the heart. The wisdom that Jesus talks about is not knowledge as we know it today. Wisdom is a, is a way of knowing in life and in this case a way of knowing through God's ways and it's almost intuitive that we you know you know that intuitive feeling when you ask yourself what is what is God's way here in this situation what is the loving solution in this situation it comes through intuitively and you know it without hesitation and that's the wisdom that he's talking about and the water that is referred to in this story um, is a metaphor for the spirit and the spirit flows and brings us to eternal life the water has the gift of salvation within within it the spirit has the gift brings the gift of salvation so I'm, I'm sorry if this is a little bit convoluted, but I'll try and make it clear as I go along. So this is the main message in the story of the Samaritan woman, this message of no division. Um, and we'll just have a look uh, through the, the, the gospel, what I've just read, and just pick up on that. Um, so he says in the beginning here, I'm going to go over that because this is very long. So he refers to uh, 4.23, actually also in 4.24. He's talking about how he takes the woman beyond her first literal understanding um, in terms of her spirituality. She's a very new Christian um, she, uh, Paul would say she was still drinking milk, not really able to chew the difficult stuff yet. But Jesus brings her past that uh, passage and brings her to an understanding of how the Spirit works. Now, the thing with the Spirit is that it is the joining factor. It is the glue uh, between God's people. It is what 
invades us all, uh, invades is prob probably not a good word, but infuses us all, let's put it that way, uh, with the love of God and keeps us together as a unit. And so the story goes on where uh, he makes the uh, point in verses 23 and 24 where Richard will tell us that he is leading the moment to an interfaith understanding. So he's taking, he's elevating the literal um, rational understanding that we normally have to a much higher level of understanding of um, being able to sit with the mystery, with, with wisdom in Jesus. Very often we don't understand what he's saying at first, and I'm sure you will have experienced that in these meditations. But what we have to do is just grasp what he's saying and allow it to rest in our hearts and to silently reflect on it. And little by little, these little grains of truth emerge. Um, and we start to see a much bigger picture. And we start to see the way that we are actually all joined in one, in loving and following uh, Christ. We are one people. We are interdependent. We cannot actually survive without each other. So he says he leads her to an interfaith understanding where God is spirit and those who worship him will worship in spirit and truth. Now if you worship in the spirit, you cannot be an Anglican or a Catholic or an evangelical or a fundamentalist. You are simply people worshiping one spirit. And in that spirit, we are one. And he says a little later on, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither here on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The authentic worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And just before that, he says, the differences of beliefs and claims of truth between the Jews and the Samaritans are of no interest to God. The differences between us on earth today um, that, you know, the Catholics believe one thing and they do things that way and the Anglicans, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, that is of absolutely no use to God and of no interest to God whatsoever. We worship in the Spirit. And as Richard tells us, you know, it's so important that he actually repeats it twice in 4.23 and 4.24. So it doesn't matter where we are worshipping, whether it's in Jerusalem, whether it's on top of a mountain, whether it's Durban, London, in the middle of the desert, we are worshipping the same spirit and the same God. I mean, if you actually sit back for a moment and think about that, it is truly awesome that all over, not just the world, but the cosmos, the Spirit is there and we can all access the same Spirit through this living water, through the way of Christ, 
and you will receive eternal salvation, eternal life. What a fantastic thing that is. So, and then he says, of course, the point is that unless you experience the Spirit, which Jesus says, is the water I will give to you when you which will turn into a spring within you, welling up into eternal life, the whole thing falls apart. So if you if you don't worship the Spirit and you say, no, I'm going to go my own way and I'm going to be the, the Catholic Church is the right way to go, they've got the right God, etc., 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 then all this welling up of the living water, this welling up of the truth and this gift of eternal life will all fall apart. It will not be received and it will not be experienced. Okay. And then if I can just finish off by this, you know, little bit of a complex uh, part just before the end where he's talking about the harvest and the reaper and the sower. And he's actually just confirming his point that these divisions that we make are irrelevant. So, you know, this way of saying, who's the reaper? Who's the sower? You know, uh, but is the harvest ready? Is the harvest not ready? This black and white way, um, as you will remember me saying, this this dualistic way of thinking is not part of the spirit. Okay, so... He's, he's actually saying, you know, they, they've, in the context that he's talking to the lady, they say, you know, the harvest is only in four months' time. But Jesus is saying the harvest is ready now. And that now applies to our now as well. So, and so what he's actually doing is he's using the scenario of a harvest that would be familiar to all the people that he's talking to to actually talk about his kingdom. And he's saying that we don't have to wait for his kingdom like we have to wait for the harvest. His kingdom is here right now. And whether we are the sower or the reaper doesn't matter. If we drink of that living water, we allow that spring to well up within us. There's no waiting. Our gift is now. We do not have to wait four months for the harvest. It happens now. And that's the message that he's trying to to get across here. That, you know, we are so time bound, but time means nothing to God. So God doesn't make us wait. He will give us his gift, his great, awesome gift of eternal life. If we just follow him now, he will give us the gift now. And Raw says, he's left beyond, leapt beyond all boundaries of time, morality, and religion to announce a universal and gratuitous victory for God and for humanity, taking place in the present tense, now. This is really great stuff, Richard says, which could still transform Christian pettiness and division or any notion of the gospel as a reward-punishment system that comes after death. 
Okay, so um, just to try and summarize very quickly, we're going on for 20 minutes already, but I, I think this is so worthwhile, um, just that we must think of ourselves as equal and all together as, as the body of Christ. In this story, Jesus once again approaches the marginalized, marginalized ashamed woman who'd, ha- who'd had five husbands. He uses her to actually build this incredible message around that we have salvation, we have wisdom right now. Um, and so we must always remember that we are part of something so much bigger and we are connected to each other. We are connected to everybody. We are connected to those people suffering in the Ukraine. Their pain is our pain. We are connected past the bounds of the earth into the cosmos in a ways that we could never imagine or understand. And we must reach out and drink the living water and together worship the one and only Spirit of God, which will bring us the gift of eternal life. May God bless you. Amen.